So the Christmas story is, as one of my children said, are you going to talk about that same old story again this Sunday? <laughs> yeah, because that same old story has got the same old power that changes any life. I don't care how far, how bad you've been or how far you are, the power of God can reach your heart anywhere on the planet at any time and completely transform and resurrect you. But the question is, we all know the story that God from heaven came down to the earth and transformed himself into a human being. What an incredible message. What an incredible story, especially if it's real. It's amazing how some people have a problem with that concept, but they have no problem with the concept of human beings becoming a God. Well, he did. But let me ask you this question. Why do you think God came to the earth to be one of us? Just shout it out. What do you think? Why did he come? Love? Come on. Yeah. Somebody else. To sympathize with us. To protect us. Takes God's kingdom back. What do you got down here? Give us a present. You better believe it. Yeah, that's what Christmas is all about. Come on. Come to your house for Christmas. We're going to get presents at the Hoyt house. Love it. I believe that everything he came to bring us gets wrapped up in one word. The Bible says that God came to the earth to bring us peace. Look what the angel said when Jesus is born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Everybody said out loud. Peace. Isn't that interesting? The one thing that they proclaim when God is born as a baby in the earth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Why do you think the angels were so excited over this? Because they saw from the very beginning of time when God created Adam and Eve and had this most beautiful relationship. Everything was whole. Everything was peaceful. There was no chaos, no strife, no stress, no pressure, no sin, no brokenness, no fights, no divorce, no lack. It was all whole and peaceful. And the angels saw it and they're like, wow! What a beautiful thing God has created. And then they were there and they saw the crack. And the relationship between God and Adam and Eve. And then all chaos began. And it it went from Adam and Eve and God into Adam and Eve's relationship. Right? Where she blows it. And then God comes to the man to ask what happened. He said, what up, Adam? And he said, she, the woman who you gave me, she did it. Wow. The blame shifting, that's where that began. Not on me. Stinks not on me. It's on her. And by the way, it's on you because you gave her to me. So, and then it goes down into their sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain gets uh, jealous 
and resentful and kills his brother. And that goes down through the generations where we have nations at war with each other and households at war with each other. All began way back then. So when God came to the earth to fix it all, the angels are like, yes, it's here. The opportunity for people's souls to be healed, restored. Relationship with God to be whole again. Relationships with each other to be whole again. Peace. The definition of peace is a state of rest. Imagine this, by the way, as I read this definition. Imagine this in your marriage. Imagine it in your parents, in your, the child relationship. Imagine it in the work environment. Imagine it in the earth. Imagine this being the state of your life. A state of rest, quietness, calmness, an absence of strife, tranquility, and perfect well-being. Peace is really hard to come by in the earth. And if you grab a hold of it, it's really hard to hang on to. I mean, we do all sorts of things to maintain peace. And there's so many things that rob us of this peace. I mean, just this week, there are finals and school. I mean, my kids were stressed out. You just want to pull the blankets over your head and just pretend like it's not happening, right? So what do we do? I mean, you, you get stressed at work, and so you go on vacation. And a few days, they take a couple days to decompress, right? And then after a few days, you're like, oh. You start to think clearly. Your soul's at peace again. You have a cafe latte. You got the sunset. You got the beach or the mountains, wherever you're at. Everything's great. And then you think to yourself, I've done this a thousand times. This is the mode I plan to operate in. I like myself better when I'm not stressed. Do you like yourself better when you're not stressed out? Right? Do you like your spouse better when he or she's not stressed out? Yeah. It's amazing when, you know, when you have somebody in the household and they're stressed out, you're like, whew, kind of like just get a wide path for them to walk through, right? Especially when dad's stressed out. You just need to go to your room, shut the door, which is what they do until dad calms down. But when they're not stressed out and the pressure's off, there's more laughter, there's more, it's more jovial, there's more kindness. Stress sucks. Sorry, kids. Sorry, parents. It really does distort the personality and rob us of our joy. And so you go on a vacation or a retreat, like I'll go on a prayer retreat for a couple days, and I'll say, this is the real John. This is the John I'm bringing home. And I come into the house, and within 15 to 20 minutes, (laughs) or you go to work, and you're like, yeah, this is the piece I'm bringing to work with me. And by lunchtime, you're ready to murder your boss. It would take a miracle for someone to remove the stress from the planet or to inject peace. It would take a supernatural act of God to bring peace where there is no peace. And that's exactly what he did. In fact, in the very beginning, the Bible says God created, well, before God created, it says the heavens and the earth were chaos, darkness and chaos. And then God spoke, light be. And all of a sudden, everything's put into order. The galaxies, the sun, the moon, perfect placement. He created everything, so it was peace. Well, God did it again when he came to the earth. That's why the angels are shouting peace. Peace on earth, finally. God said, you need a miracle in the earth. Peace, wholeness, restoration. 
And I'm coming in a miraculous way to give you a miraculous peace. And if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the first thing you will experience inside your soul is something you've never known before and you can't get it any other way, and that is the peace of God. Look what Jesus says about this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace is His. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Isn't that amazing? What God's peace can do for us? It is not a peace we can get from a vacation, you can get from drugs, you can get from a relationship, you can get from whatever. It's a, it's, a, it's a transcendent peace. It comes from another place. In fact, look at the scripture says about this in Philippians 4. And the peace of God. Everybody say, of God. See, it's a separate peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace beyond your ability to figure out a problem and then you bring peace because of the resolution. It's beyond your understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. I was talking with a church member this week, Melissa, who wanted to get her hair done and her hairdresser has breast cancer. And her hairdresser, who's a Christian, a follower of Jesus, said, people think I'm crazy because I have so much peace. And she said, the reason I have peace is because ultimately it doesn't matter how this turns out. Because either I get healed and I'm here and I give God praise or I die and I go to heaven and I'm with Jesus. So I have peace. You can't have that peace without having a relationship with Jesus. This perfect peace coming to the earth, a prophet named Isaiah saw this 700 years before God ever came to the earth. The Holy Spirit opened up this man's mind, Isaiah, and he saw 700 years into the future, and he saw God coming down from heaven into the earth. And he prophesied it in Isaiah 7, 14. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign that hope is on the way. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us now in that time that he prophesied it he says that the people were in darkness sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death the same thing matthew prophesied after jesus was born he said jesus the son of god came to a people who sat in darkness and were in the shadow of death Darkness, like the lights went out in Ramona a couple weeks ago. And you don't realize how important light is until it goes out. Now, for you Poway folks, you guys didn't have water for a while. I would much rather be without light than water. That had to be really bad. But without lights, you're in confusion. You're paralyzed. You're in darkness. We're, you know, going around trying to find lights, trying to find candles. And you're bumping around and you just can't move when you're in darkness. That's the same way when you're in darkness spiritually. You don't know what happens after you die. It's just spiritual darkness. You have people that are trying to give us answers, but they really don't know. Or the shadow of death. Those who sit in the shadow of death. 
Some of you experience the death of a marriage, the death of a loved one, the death of a dream, the death of a career. It's debilitating, it's crushing. The whole earth sits in darkness and in the shadow of death. But then here comes Jesus. When Jesus is born, John the Baptist's dad, Zechariah prophesies, I said, being filled with the Spirit, he prophesies and says this, Jesus has come to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Watch this phrase, to guide our feet into the way of, here it is, say it out loud, peace. See, that's the end game. That's the ultimate goal. Jesus, the light of the world, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. What does he do in our daily lives? He turns on the light of revelation, of knowledge, of his presence to guide our feet in our marriages, guide our feet in our parenting, guide our feet in our human relationships, guide our feet in our relationship with God. Why? So that he can lead us to a path and a place of peace. Now, people say, well, there are many guides in the earth. There are many lights. Like the New Age likes to use the word light a lot. They, Satan steals all of God's terminology and then redefines it. But they're very dim lights. Like this week, I had an electrician come to the house and trying to install a new dishwasher. I need an outlet behind the wall. And so we pull it out and he's back up in there and he can't really see real well because it's dark in there. So I went and found a flashlight and it wasn't very bright. And I looked at it and the the batteries were all corroded, but it worked barely. So I'm trying to help. And so, you know, I'm leaning over and, and I'm, I'm putting my little flashlight in here and it's barely shining. It's like a very dim light. It's like more annoying than helpful, but I want to be helpful. So I'm shining on the socket and he can't really see it. And he said, Oh, Hey, I got it. And he pulls out this like, you know, super duper highest level home Depot mounted flashlight. He just pulls it out of his bag and puts it on. It's like lights up the whole house, right? I was, I was humiliated. I was so embarrassed as a dude. That's really humiliating when your other, the other guy's tools are like bigger than yours and better than yours, more powerful than yours. So I just kind of backed away, did the, did the tuck head, you know, like this. I walked over to the trash can and threw my flashlight in the trash can. It was like, I never want to experience that again. But when you're following a spiritual guide, a philosopher, a counselor that is not leading you in the way of Christ, you are not going to end up in the place of peace. Because we're all sitting in darkness in the shadow of death as human beings. We need the wisdom of God. And it's available now in Christ. Jesus says this. This was to a woman caught in adultery, in sin. Her life was destroyed. And Jesus, she came to Jesus and he said to her, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. What a great promise. Now, following Jesus, the light of the world, will give you peace in these three different areas of your life. Number one is in your relationship with God. Number two is in your relationship with those around you. And number three is your eternal destiny. When you receive Jesus, you believe in Him, and every day you choose to follow Him. 
He will lead you, prompt you, guide you from the instructions of the Bible and the leading of the Spirit into peace in every area of your life with God, with one another, and your eternal destiny. I want to look at these very quickly. The first one is relationship with God. You cannot have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And this only happens through the forgiveness of sins, and that can only happen through Jesus Christ. Look at the scripture says in the book of Colossians, God was pleased for all of himself to live in Christ. And through Christ, God has brought all things back to himself again. Things on earth, things in heaven. God made, here's the word, say it out loud. Say it again. God made peace. Through the blood of Christ on the cross. That's the only place you find peace with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That word brought himself back again is the word reconciliation, to reconcile. Look what this word means. To reestablish and restore a loving interpersonal relationship which has been broken or disrupted. To make things right. You and I can never make things right with God. We were in eternal trouble. There's no way, once you and I have sinned, which we all have, that we can ever earn our way out of a broken relationship with God. You can't go to church and light candles or turn on the electric candles. That doesn't do it. Giving money in the offering, church attendance, being good to the poor, forgiving one another, going on missions trips. It doesn't matter what good deeds we do. It can never restore our relationship with God, make things right. Because the Bible says the penalty of sin is eternal separation from God. The Bible calls it death. That's the penalty. That's the payment. That's why Jesus died for you and I. Because he knew there was no way out for you. I'm going to come do it for you. So love came down. And then he lived the perfect life. So he had no sin to be accounted for. And then he did the exchange, the great exchange. He died for us. And so when you accept that and you receive him as your savior, your relationship with God is restored and you feel this peace in your heart. You say, what is that? Your sins have been forgiven and you're right with God. Jesus made it right between you and God. Some of you need to do that today. When I'm done speaking in a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity. We're going to have prayer teams down front here. And you're going to have the opportunity to slip out of your chair and come down front here and pray with one of the folks down in the prayer team. I'll come down as well. I would love to pray with you. For you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to tell you, you're going to experience peace you've never known before. I remember when I went to church for three times. When I was 19 years old, somebody invited me to church. I didn't want to go, and they kept inviting me, so I went just so they stopped inviting me. And I went, and I couldn't believe it. People were happy, and nobody was stoned. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Nobody had been drinking, nobody was, uh, but everybody was happy. And they were wearing jeans, and there was a live band, and the guy talking made sense. I'd never heard about salvation being a free gift. I didn't know anything about it. So after I, the third time I went, I went home, knelt down by my bed, and I said, Jesus, if you're who those people say you are, I'm inviting you into my life. And that was, I don't know, 35 years ago. And even when I experienced stress in life, deep down at the core of my being, there was a peace knowing It's going to be all right. Because ultimately, I'm going to go see Jesus when it's all said and done. You can have that today. 
if you come to receive Jesus as your Savior. The second area that the peace of Jesus will touch your life is in your human relationships. He will guide you in your relationships with every person in your life. But the key is you have to obey Him. Your flesh is going to want to do one thing. Jesus is going to want you to do the other. And you're going to have to obey Him. You have to follow Him. Follow His lead. But you know that once you become a Christian, the Bible literally says you are a carrier of peace. Jesus says that when you go into somebody's home, let your peace rest upon it. It's a kingdom commodity that is yours as soon as you come to Christ. The Prince of Peace, Jesus' peace, rests on you and in you. And so when you enter a home, literally you can cause the kingdom of, the kingdom of God's peace to rest on that place just by your presence. He literally says this, and if they don't receive the message of the kingdom, take your peace and go. It's something you can bring and something you can remove. Isn't that amazing? We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. That means we are ambassadors of peace. You can't give what you don't have. But once you have it, we are to be releasers of peace. In fact, look at this. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. That means we reflect our Father in heaven when we are makers of peace in the earth. That means you've got to go to your relationships and fix them. That means humility. That means listening. To be able to eat that peace of Christ out into your relationships, you're going to have to be a vessel of peace. A peacemaker. How many of you, when your kids are fighting and bickering, doesn't it just break your heart when you see them not getting along? Anybody, parents in here? It hurts, doesn't it? Jesus feels the exact same way when his children on the earth are backbiting and gossiping and bickering and hurting each other. That's why the Bible says use every last nerve to keep the peace that God has given to you. Ephesians 4.3 says endeavor to maintain the unity of of peace through love. The devil's trying to rip your relationship away from God, rip your relationship away from your spouse, rip your relationship away from your parents, the children. That's his MO, is to tear relationships apart. Jesus' MO, the Prince of Peace, is to bring healing into relationships. Parents, what does it feel like when you hear your kids being kind to one another? Have you ever seen it? <laughs> if you look closely, it happens every once in a while. Here, you have the biggest piece of pumpkin pie. It's yours, really. I'd rather you have it rather than me. Sure, you can wear my clothes. No problem. What's mine is yours. Oh, yeah, that's the way my house rolls. You know, I was in a... Uh, I was in a restaurant this week, a cafe uh, down here in Nutmeg, down here in Cumber Mountain. And there was somebody who had left the church years ago, and they didn't leave well. And, and I love this family. I love him. And it just kind of disappeared. And it's like, wow. At least say we're moving on. We've got somewhere to go. God's calling us to something different. Just leaving. Is, that, that, that rips a relationship. And it hasn't been right ever since. And we're sitting, Hope and I were sitting there, and there he was, the husband, the father, and he was by himself with a co-worker. 
And I was sitting at that table with hope. And in my imagination, now this, this one was on him. Plenty have been on me. But whether it's you having to ask for forgiveness or you doing the forgiving, you got to go both ways. This one just happened to be that, you know, he should have come and had that conversation and it would have been fine. But he didn't. And it was wrong. And you could just feel it. You just knew it. I'm sitting there. And in my imagination, I saw him come over to the table, sit down and say, Pastor John, I just want you to know I really screwed up. And I'm asking you to forgive me. It was so strong, I thought he was going to actually do it. And of course, I was going to say, forget it. No way, dude. Okay, just kidding. And it didn't happen. I thought, huh, I thought we were about to reconcile. Because I know that's what God wants, but I couldn't do it. I can't go over to him and say, dude, you really screwed up. So Hope and I are driving home and the phone rings and it's him. He said, pastor, I just wanted to say that I was in the restaurant. I really felt strongly that I needed to come over and make things right. And so I'm calling you now to say, I didn't do it well. And I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Yeah. And I said, no. Thanks for the effort, but mm -mm. I like holding on to resentment and bitterness. It's good for me, my soul, my marriage, and my family. And it's a good representation to my children about, about the church and how we roll. Don't ever forgive. That's the best plan. It'll be a blessing to you and everybody around you. The Bible actually says if you hold on to bitterness, it becomes a root that springs up and defiles everyone around you. It was a beautiful moment. I said, absolutely, man. Because you know what? I have no stones to throw. I've hurt people. You know, I want to be forgiven. The Bible says those that give mercy shall obtain mercy. We just have to have a bunch of grace. I have two buckets I walk around with. There are two buckets of grace. One for me and one for you. To follow Jesus in your relationships and reconcile them, you have to do certain things. If you're going to represent him and follow him. In your human relationships, you've got to forgive one another just like he does. You've got to pray for one another just like he does. You've got to be long-suffering with one another as he is. I like to say I'm better to people than they deserve because God's better to me than I deserve. You've got to lay down your life for one another just as he did. And here's the big one. Here's the big one. Don't be easily offended. This new philosophy in the earth that's being taught, especially to our university students, about microaggressions and everybody being so easily offended, it is destroying relationships. You know where this philosophy comes from. Because the Bible says just the opposite. Look at this scripture. There is such great, say it out loud. Come on, say it. There's such what? Great peace. Come on, there's such great Peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word. That means those who follow your instructions. And they will never be what? Offended. Because we're not allowed to be according to his word. We have to forgive daily those. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You got to get those stones out of your shoe, the rock out of your shoe. You got to get the stones out of your heart. Clean out your spiritual arteries every day by forgiving. I forgive them. I forgive them. Now, please forgive me 
that has to happen. Just this last week, I feel like I offended a, a, a member of our church. I had a church party, a Christmas party and for the staff, and I, I thought I had offended somebody. And, and you know, that feeling you have in your stomach that a relationship might not be right. And what are they thinking? And are they hurt? And did I hurt them? I didn't mean to do it. And so I, uh, I texted because that's safe. So I texted. You don't want to do face-to-face because that's weird and uncomfortable. You just text, send a meme, you know. <laughs> sorry, right? Don't do it personally. So I, I texted and said, I, I'm really sorry if I, I, you know, this may have offended you. And she emailed back, we are hard people to offend. Not even, haven't even thought about it. I was like, oh. How many of you have been in a relationship with the people who are hard to offend? Raise your hand. You ever know one of them? They're hard to offend. Two. Wow, look at that. That's horrible. Yeah. Aren't they the most wonderful people to be around? You don't have to explain anything. They believe the best. They're not touchy. How many of you have been in relationships or are in relationships with people that are so easily offended? It's like walking on. Oh, we, got, <laughs> we have some people, people in the back going, Whoa! everybody in my life right now. It's exhausting. Look, God should be the most offended being in the universe because of our sin. And yet he forgives us. Did you know Jesus says this in Mark 5? We're going to come to a closure in a couple minutes. Salt is excellent for seasoning, but if salt becomes tasteless, how can its flavor even be restored? Watch this. Your lives like salt are to season and preserve so don't lose your flavor and preserve the what? Peace in your union with one another. The Aramaic speakers refer to salt as a symbol of faithfulness and friendship. But if we don't understand this in context, as Westerners, we don't understand the terminology of salt in Middle Eastern relationships. Salt was the metaphor for faithfulness in relationships. In fact, the the Jews in the Old Testament, they had what was called a salt covenant with God. In fact, God had them salt every sacrifice. The salt is a sign of preservation, preserving relationships between us and God and between us with one another. And Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice. That's why he tells us to have salt between one another, faithfulness in our friendships. And that's how we have peace. Colossians says this, let the peace of Christ, let, everybody say let. Let, you got to let the peace of Christ. It's a choice. You've got to let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. Is that my cue? At least it's a Christmas tune. I think it is. No? All right. You got it? All right. Here we go. Moving on. To this piece. Okay, watch this. To this piece, you were called. To this piece, you were called. As members in one body of believers. And be thankful to God always. You and I were called to follow Jesus in our human relationships so that we can become peacemakers. 
I'm going to take that as my second close. So finally, the peace of Christ, family of God, if we follow him, will give you peace in your eternal destiny. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says this. For, uh, this is 700 years before Jesus was born. You don't have to leave unless it's an emergency. See, grace. For unto us a child is born. I'm going to ask uh, Ava and the worship team, you guys will come up here. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. This is 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. We read the scripture out loud with me. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Come on, church. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. When Jesus is in charge, there will be peace. That is what all the battles are about, is who is in charge. In a home, power struggles. At work, power struggles. In our government, power struggles. In the earth. It's just power struggles. Who's going to be in charge? Who's making the decisions? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That power struggle is the strife in relationships. The Bible says the government, rulership, who's in charge will be on Jesus' shoulders. And of his kingdom and peace. Because when Jesus is in charge of your life, there will be peace. Because he rules and we follow what he says. He says of his kingdom of peace, there will be no end. Jesus did not come down to the earth because he's a control freak. He came down to the earth because he knew that until he was in charge of our lives, we will not have peace. And we certainly won't have peace in eternity. Because the only way to have peace with God is to come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then we have peace with God and all human kingdoms rise and fall. There's one kingdom that lasts forever and the peace thereof, and that's the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not received Jesus as your Savior today, today is your day. This is the moment. This is when you need to do it right now. Nobody can force your hand. Nobody can pry your heart open. Nobody can usurp your will. You have to choose Jesus like I did when I was 19 years old. And I simply said, Jesus, I don't really know if you're real or not. But if you are, I'm inviting you into my heart. I'm going to give you the chance to do that right now. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, listen to me. You're fighting with him over something. A relationship you shouldn't be in. A sin you won't let go of. Whatever it might be, give in and give up. The second you let him win, you'll experience the peace shed abroad in your heart and your soul will be restored. So I'm going to ask you to do that right now. For those who have never received Jesus, you just close your eyes in the whole church. For those of you who have never received Jesus, right now where you're sitting, just between you and God, not between you and the person to your right or left, you and God. 
right now. God's listening. He's watching. Love came down and he's wanting you to say yes to his son right now. Say it. Say, Jesus, I receive you right now as my Savior for the forgiveness of my sins. Please forgive me and become the Lord of my life. Right now, just roll, let it come off your lips. Connect with God. And for those of you who've been wrestling with Jesus about an issue of your life right now, let him win. Let it go. It's not worth it. For any of you who just did either one of those, received Jesus as your Savior or gave in to His leadership, you're experiencing peace in your soul right now. I know it because I know it's true. It's the way it works for me as well. And the only reason that was even possible is because love came down and a baby was born. It was God to give us the possibility and the opportunity to experience this kind of peace. Let's all sing and sing about that night and be thankful that he came down to give us his peace. Let's all stand and now you can light your lights. And as we sing this, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to please come down front. And if you gave your life to Christ while you're in the seat, would you please slip down as we're singing this song so that we can know you and pray with you and follow up with you. If you gave your life to Jesus while you were sitting there, or if you want to give your life to Him, please, as we begin to sing, slip down front. Or if you need a miracle, you need prayer for anything, Jesus, the miracle worker, is in the house. Slip down and come down front to these prayer teams. As you're coming down, we're going to worship. And then I'll dismiss at the end of the song. Come on, let's worship Him.